as I look back over my life, it's full of surprises. I never thought I would become friends with people in different countries all over the world. I see how God's hand guided me. When I began preaching many years ago, it was not with any thoughts that I'd be preaching to large audiences. God has done this. Our country is in great need of a spiritual awakening. Well, there have been times that I've wept as I've gone from city to city and I've seen how far people have wandered from God. Of all the things that I've seen and heard, there's only one message that can change people's lives and hearts. There is a way if you come by the way of the cross. I want to tell people about the meaning of the cross. Not the cross that hangs on a wall or around someone's neck. We receive our freedom purchased by the ransom at the cross. But the real cross of Christ. The cross expresses the great love of God. It's scarred and blood-stained. His was a rugged cross. His real purpose for coming was to die. I know that many will react to this message, but it is the truth. And with all my heart, I want to leave you with the truth. God says, I love you. I love you. I love you with an everlasting love. And he loves you, willing to forgive you of all your sins. The cross is offensive because it confronts people. Even so, it's a confrontation that all of us must face. The sermon was preached in Asheville, North Carolina in 2013 by one of the world's most profound preachers of all time, Billy Graham. At 95, he sat in his lazy boy chair and could no longer walk. With all of his might, as he always did, he proclaimed the hope of the world. He trembled as he recalled the countless times that he wept from city to city, seeing how far people have wandered from God. His message never wavered in 50 years. Jesus was sent to die on a cross to save each one of us from our eternal separation from God. It doesn't matter who we are, rich, poor, mighty, or weak. All this, all of us, must be confronted with this question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Easter morning. The central tenet of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you believe this? Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. While it was still dark, and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran, and she came to Simon Peter and to the other apostles, whom Jesus loved. And she said, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've laid him. Peter, therefore, went out, and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. So they ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. He stooped down and looked in, saw the linen clothes lying there, and yet he did not go in. 
Then Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been wrapped around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb went in also, and he saw, and he believed. Do you believe this? Father in heaven, I pray this morning that all over the world, in light of this pandemic, which you have allowed to come upon us, that people will be looking to you. They'll be seeking you like they ever have before because you're speaking to their hearts in ways they can understand. Father, I pray this morning, all over the place, that people be tuned in to you and to your son, Jesus Christ, and that they will believe. Amen. So when Jesus came to the place where Lazarus had lived, he found that Lazarus was already in the tomb for four days. Now, he could have come earlier. He had been told to come earlier. And he wasn't that far away. He was down in the Jericho area. But he didn't come. And he had a talk with his disciples about being glad that he didn't come and glad that they would see the glory of God work through Jesus Christ. Glad that they would have a chance to witness what he could do. He delayed his coming. He said, Lazarus sleeps, but we go to wake him. And they commented, well, let him sleep because surely if he's sick, he'll get better from sleeping. And I can see the worn look on his face as he says, Lazarus is dead, but we're going anyway. So he arrives in Bethany, and Lazarus has been dead for four days. And John chapter 11 reads like this. Many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha answered, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into this world. And we know the story. How Jesus asked where the tomb was. And he brought him to the tomb, and he saw the pain around him, and he wept. Shortest verse in the Bible coming up. Jesus wept. And they comment about how much he must have loved the man. And they don't see it coming. They don't get what he's there to do. I don't think his disciples got what he was there to do. They tell him, he tells them to open it up. Roll the stone away. But Lord, he's been dead for days. He stinks. Roll the stone away. And they roll the stone away. 
And Jesus commands, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out looking like an Egyptian mummy, wrapped. And he tells him to unwrap him. He told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this? I believe. Now, what does it mean, I am the resurrection? What does it mean, I'm the resurrection and the life? Jesus, Jesus said, I am a lot. I am is the name of God, Jehovah. I am. I am what I am. Jesus, God, Moses asked God at the burning bush, who shall I say sent me? You say, I am that I am. I am sent you. Jesus said, I am a lot, and John records it seven or eight different times where he gave illustrations of I am. Back in John chapter 4, and again in John 7, John, Jesus uses the idea of water to describe himself. And he tells the woman at the well that the water I could give you is everlasting life. He tells her that. A woman, someone who drinks of this water will never thirst again. In John chapter 7, it's recorded that someone who believes in Jesus would have living water coming from their heart. And it gets further developed in John 6, actually, where he says, I am the bread of life. And he talks about the bread coming down from heaven. And this bread, then, is something that sustains us, and water sustains us. It's something we have to have and live by every single day of our life. We must have nutrition. We must have fluid. Our food and our drink. It's what we have every day. It's what sustains us. It's what keeps this physical body alive. And In John chapter 6, Jesus talks about not just living bread, but also being Quenched from your thirst. And so these two kind of play together. He never actually said, I'm the water, I'm the living water. But it's, it's there. It's included. Jesus was that which sustains us. In the same way that bread and water sustains the human body, the fleshly temple we live in, he is what sustains the spiritual temple. I am the bread of life. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And more than that, in John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. A light, light always means you see. You put on the light and then you see. Without light, you don't see. And, and Paul uses this idea of light in Ephesians to talk about how we're enlightened, means we begin to understand. And the fact of the matter, what Jesus is trying to say to us is, is that. Without him, you cannot understand what this world is really all about. You'd be lost. You'd be confused. You will be simply wrong. You must know Jesus to know what's going on in this world around you. You must know Jesus to understand the plight of life. Without the redemption story, you cannot understand life. It's absolutely necessity to know Jesus 
to be sustained spiritually and to know what this life is all about. But more than this, he says, I am the door. John chapter 10. I'm the door of the sheepfold. I'm the good shepherd. Often the shepherd was the door. It would be an open, open uh, uh, stone hedge area, sometimes round and with only one door. And often the shepherd would sleep in the door. And he was, in fact, the gate. Nothing could get by him in or out unless the shepherd allowed it to happen. Here Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. I sit there in the gate at night. When the wolves may come for you, I will protect you. I will be there to make sure you're okay. Now, does it mean calamity doesn't happen to the believer? Calamity does happen to the believer. But in a spiritual sense, we will never be lost. And later in that chapter, he says that very thing. Of whom the Father has given me, I have lost none. None. <laughs> He's the door. I cannot be lost because he has counted me his. I cannot be lost. The good shepherd is the door. In John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now again, he's not really a road He's not really an encyclopedia. He's not Google. But he is, in fact, the only way to God. There is no other way to get to God. There's no other way to be at peace with the Almighty except through faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only way to get to Christ, to God. And that is the most sincere truth there is in this whole world. And life will only come when you accept that truth, if you believe it. John chapter 15, he said, I am the true vine. A vine, that's an interesting illustration. Our kids worked in the vineyards. And they had these little plastic clips we used to see all the time. And twine, they would take the branches and they would tie the branches across this heavy, heavy metal lines that were drawn across the top of the vines. The branches would get too heavy for themselves. And they needed assistance. And so these clips would go around the branch and around the metal lines that were drawn to hold the branches up. Because the branches, if they were broken from the vine, would simply die. There was no life for the branch outside of the vine. Again, the sustenance, the continuation, the very life itself is in Jesus Christ. I am the vine. You are the branches. So when he says to Mary, I am the resurrection and the life, he's not trying to be confusing. He's trying to say resurrection only comes through me. Life as you know it, life as you want it to be in a spiritual sense, will only happen through me, in faith in me. Do you believe this? Martha says, I believe. Do you believe this? He said, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. We're talking about two different things. Physical death, though he may die, he shall live spiritually. And, and that seems odd because this man, Lazarus, is about to come back from the grave in a physical sense. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. 
And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And that spiritual life will never end. Ever. Do you believe this? It's amazing to me the people that don't believe. I was reading an article this week in Christian Post. And this article was bold to say that 97% of evangelical pastors believe that there will be some kind of a resurrection, some kind of return of Christ. 3% do not believe Christ will return. Now, hold on a second. 3% of evangelical pastors do not believe that Christ will return. Another 20% apparently are not convinced that Christ will return. Let me tell you something. That's not evangelical. That is not conservative Christian theology. That is not what the Bible teaches. And if you do not believe in the resurrection, you believe nothing. I'm sorry. The Pope, the Pope has declared that this coronavirus is nature's thunderstorm. It's nature having a tantrum. It's nature getting back at us for climate. Not God. He doesn't believe either. Do you believe that he's coming back? Do you believe in the resurrection? Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. Now if Christ is preached that he's raised from the dead, some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead. If there's no resurrection from the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is empty. Yes, and we are found to be false witnesses of God because we have testified to you that God has raised up Christ, whom he didn't raise up. And in fact, the dead don't rise. And if the dead don't rise, Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, vain. You're still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep, they've perished. And in this life, then, we have hope, and all we have is hope in Christ. Then we of all men are the most pitiable. <laughs> but Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by one man came death, also by one man came the resurrection of the dead, and he is the first fruits of the resurrection. The apostles were not liars. They did not decide to make this fairy tale up that there was a resurrection. You read the accounts written by people who didn't even like Peter, talking about how Peter ran from God. He ran from the very core of the people he believed. He took off on Easter Sunday. He took off with some guy named Cleopas. He left the others behind. He's walking up to Emmaus. Jesus did not abandon him, though he had abandoned Jesus. Though he denied him three times, Jesus did not abandon Peter. And we have that record as well, as well in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul makes it very clear. Father, I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And then he was buried, and then he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And then he was seen of Cephas, Peter. Then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by five hundred brethren at once, whom, of whom the greater part remained to this present day, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James. 
then the apostles, and then last of all, by me also, as one born out of due time. And Paul makes it really clear this order of things happened, that Jesus went to Peter first. The one who denied him three times, the one that ran away on Easter Sunday, the one who was going back to the boats, he came to him because he loved him. Peter didn't make this up. Paul didn't make it up. 500 people cannot have a mass hallucination. Surely after three days, his body would have stunk. But there was a resurrection. Do you believe this? I believe. I have believed all of my life. And there is nothing more central to the Christian faith, nothing more important than we accept this idea of Jesus Christ being resurrected from the grave. And that's what we celebrate today. He is risen. He is risen indeed. In Romans chapter 10, verse 8, Paul says this, that the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes in the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be ashamed. Another place in Romans, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. Where does our salvation come from? It comes from belief. Belief. Belief that says, this is what I'm about. This is who I am. It's belief that brings a new identity. I am a believer. I am a follower of Jesus Christ because he loved me, died for me, and rose again and is coming back for me. And when he comes back, <laughs> you know, what a day it will be. <laughs> what a day it will be. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. If in my father's house were many mansions, and if it were not so, I, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will doubtless come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. My Jesus is coming back. I feel sorry for the 20% of evangelical pastors that can't profess that with strength, with fortitude, and with conviction. I feel sorry for the 3% that are on their way to hell because they deny it. But my Lord Jesus is coming back for me. Do you believe this? I believe. God and Father, thank you this morning that you love us. I don't know why. I don't know why you loved us so much to walk among us, to be mistreated by us, to be killed by us. But you did. Father, be with those who may listen to this. I pray, Father, they'll be convicted to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and to proudly and boldly profess him as the King of kings and Lord of lords and Savior of the world, resurrected and returning for us. May it be so. Amen.
because they promised, I believe. O Lamb of God, I come. I come. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and I'll return for you. Amen. I believe. Do you believe this? Father God, bless those that are listening. May they hear you and not Tim. May they hear your spirit speak to their hearts. And may they profess Jesus Christ today as their Lord and Savior, returning for them. Amen.